Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. Oh, you sound sad. Well, I was going to sing O Canada, but I didn't, I don't want to. <laughs> Why? You were going to sing O Canada? Yeah, like as an introduction to the Canada Day episode. When have you ever sung O Canada in the last like decade? Very excellent way to qualify that question, fellow choir kid. <laughs> <laughs> I know at some point you were forced to and perhaps didn't have the critical thinking skills or, I don't know, Jehovah's Witness background necessary to avoid it. But <laughs> yeah, well, I've sung at this point now in your life. I've sung O Canada a couple times in my life for sure. But um, in the last decade, good question. Good, good, good question. So I don't believe you when you say that you were going to make the first time in the last decade, because I'm assuming that you haven't sang it here on this podcast. No, no, exactly, exactly. And because I have a feeling that this show is going to be a little bit sad, uh, or at least depressing, I just thought maybe a little O Canada would, you know what, why don't we just talk about the issues? (laughs) I was about to say, I don't know where you're trying to go with this, but mm -mm. (laughs) Oh, my hat is off. My heart's over my chest. Let's talk about all the things that we're thinking about on July 1st. Okay. Let's start with the murder of Orlando Brown. Yeah, that's uh, been top of my mind. Certainly. Orlando Brown was killed last week by Barry police. There's a video of it. And I haven't looked at the video. I, I have a rule against watching videos of people dying. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand that he was asleep. The police confronted him. Then they put him in a hold. They tasered him and he died. And when the news first came out, There was very little, little attention. There's still not very much attention on it, but not even news agencies were able to get his name right. And so it went for a couple of days really under the radar with like Simcoe News reporting it and then CTV and then Canadian Press. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking when you see this? A great deal of sadness and anger, certainly. I also did not watch the video. Um, So I'm going off of both reports and discussions with... Uh, his family and and people around him who have said, or and people who witnessed it, who have said that he was sleeping and was carded. And so, you know, that's important. You know, the police approached this man who was sleeping on a bench in public and asked for his ID, a practice that we have been told in this province of Ontario uh, has been eliminated. Huh. And... So they ask for his ID. He goes to reach for his ID. He is uh, tackled to the ground, beaten, uh, punched, uh, from from what I've heard, and then is tased multiple times, and he he dies. Mm-hmm. Or the more accurate thing is he he was killed. What I'm thinking about is how the the media has continued this tradition of not you know, not reporting on when the state kills black people. It took some time for that issue to to reach a mass audience. And I don't even know if we can claim that it's uh, reached a a mass audience uh, yet. 
that the media got his name wrong so many times, causing so much confusion mm. uh, because like what? How, how did that happen? Like, <laughs> how did the media get that wrong? That is such a basic mistake that rarely happens. Well, you fail in journalism school, your assignment when you do that. Yeah. And, and and it's usually not the stakes being so high as you're identifying someone who's just been killed by the police. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about all the lives that have been changed around him. You know, what he, he has an 11 year old daughter. Mm. What's that going to mean for her life, the life of his family? And, you know, besides the fact that they've been irrevocably changed emotionally, there's on top of that financial stresses that come with uh, the state eliminating someone like this in that they are going to be, you know, the, the city of Barrie isn't going to be paying for funeral expenses or ensuring that his daughter um, has her needs met. Mm. None of those things are going to happen. I I'm thinking of the fact that a lot of people often call for tasers to replace guns without the critical knowledge that tasers are also weapons that can kill. And uh, I, you know, when when we talk about any sort of disarmament strategy, I think that it should be a complete disarming of police because tasers kill. And I just, you know, I'm just so frustrated that about liberal schemes, because not only is the little bit that we got in the new carding uh, regulation or legislation going to be rolled back, but it was such a farce mm. that people believed that it was real, but it still happens. And I think, I don't know if we did enough uh, to, to make sure that people knew that carding leads to death. Carding can lead to death in so many different cases. It did for Jermaine Carby, and it has for Orlando Brown. And it just, you know, there's a list of people that Orlando is joining. And it's just, you know, it's... And then and then we have a new government sworn in that's clearly not going to care about any of this. Well, they're going to make it worse. They're certainly going to make it worse. And so... I have a I have a lot of distress. There is a we should tell our listeners that there is a GoFundMe for Orlando Brown's family that we will share um, in the link to this podcast. Yeah, police killing with impunity is something that time and time again, uh, journalists, average people seem to be okay with, and it is as you say, distressing. And number one, it, it a part of it is that if you don't know what's going on, and then this gets tied into the whole destruction of local news, uh, Barrie is not a small town. Barrie does have some local news, but another set of uh, layoffs happened this week at, at the, the Tour Star Media Group. But I, I have such a mental block understanding how we get from where we are, where police can go from waking someone up in public like, what is what is the point of even waking someone up who's sleeping in public? You can see if someone's in medical distress pretty easily. Uh, can we just let people sleep? And then number two, then you're waking someone up and then within a matter of minutes, they're dead. And it'll go to the SIU. It will be shrouded in secrecy. It will probably not result in anyone being convicted of murder. And 
it's it remains just goes back into this large wave of life in Canada that we we Canadians, white Canadians just way too easily ignore. Like where where the fuck is the outrage for this? And where is mm-hmm. the the collective calling for something like disarming the police? Disarming the police. Because there's no like there's there's no like when I first posted this, I was inundated by trolls telling me that this is what happens if you resist and all this kind of bullshit. And it's like these are highly stressful situations. If you have ever been woken up by security forces, and I have been woken up by security forces once, and it was like I was in an airport and I was getting kicked out at 2 a.m. to have to go back through security at 2.30 a.m. It's disorienting. You don't know where you are. Uh, you really need someone to kind of talk to you really slowly and kindly because you were just asleep. And when you're black and it's a police officer who's probably yelling at you, who's already probably racist who's ready to crack heads for some fucked up reason god it's like if we're not going to get a handle on killer cops there will always be large segments of our population who cannot feel safe around police who can never rely on police who cannot call police for help Mm-hmm. And then that creates a whole other, that creates tier, two-tiered or three-tiered uh, citizenship. But it also feeds into this weird trend, uh, and I was writing about this this week, where people are taking the law in their own hands. Specifically, white people are taking the law into their own hands when police responses aren't adequate. And so then that becomes a justification for also more personal arming of, from white people and being able to defend yourself because the police are inadequate. Mm-hmm. I was struggling to figure out what you were talking about, but now I think I do. Um, you're talking about the case of... There's a couple of people. In 2013, I don't know if you know this, but the Harper government changed the criminal code to make it, to give people more leeway to defend themselves or claim self-defense in an instance where something happens that's like tense or someone gets hurt. Did you know about this? No. So the criminal code was changed and the the leeway is that you have you uh, can reasonably defend yourself or your property. And because it was passed in 2013, there hasn't really there hasn't been enough jurisprudence to test what reasonable means. And so it gets handed over to juries and juries are embedded with all of the social um, structural social issues, of course, that exist. Uh, juries are imperfect for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, our juries tend to be very white. And so that that comes already with its own prejudices and, and biases and racist, racism. And so it results in a situation where this past week as well, John Styers, who was shot in the back at close range and killed, mm-hmm. has no justice because Peter Cahill walked free. A jury acquitted him of second degree murder because he was apparently defending himself from John, who was in his truck, not armed with a gun, didn't have any indication that he had a gun. And Peter was inside of his house and heard a commotion and thought that he better go outside and deal with John. And that's where we're at. No charges. A man's dead. A family's picking up the pieces of that. And another case of 
no justice served in Canada. And it's like one of, of a couple of different cases where uh, someone is sh- shooting at someone to either scare them off their property or shoots them and kills them, of course, in the Gerald Stanley case. Mm-hmm. And a jury's like, yeah, that was self-defense or yeah, that was defense of your private property, which I think it also needs to be mentioned that in this case, it was a fucking 2001 shitty fucking truck. Like, give me a goddamn break. Wow. I, you know, I haven't followed this case at all. So, um, and I certainly didn't know about this law, which seems to be like a Canadian version of the stand your ground law that we will have heard so many times over our media Um, in the kind of poo-poo way that Canadian media likes to point to the United States. But it sounds uh, like it's exactly the same. It's exactly the same sort of measure. Yeah, I haven't looked at the exact wording to say how similar, but certainly the effect is the same thing, right? That if you can convince a jury that you had reasonable cause to do what you did to defend yourself or your private property, then, yeah then that's a that is a reasonable defense. And this is this is why we're not seeing manslaughter charges come out of what you would think is more likely the case that I didn't mean to kill him. I meant to hurt him or I meant I meant to scare him, but I didn't mean to kill him. And therefore, the charge is manslaughter, because at the end of the day, your actions led to someone's life being taken away. And it's the exact same thing with happened with 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 George Smither. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, help me out here <laughs> with um, George Zimmerman. George Zimmerman, yeah. Sorry, George Smitherman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cutting that out. <laughs> um, it was the same thing that happened with with, with Zimmerman, and, uh, who, who, of course, killed Trayvon Martin. Was A uh, jury also could have found him guilty of manslaughter, which was unintentionally killing someone, which they did not. They acquitted him of second degree murder. And so you're right. It is very, the effect is very similar to stand your ground. Yeah. And it also, it also places, um, like, you know, which is the, the great tradition of colonialism, a level of protection for people who own things and who own property and for those things, that property, that ownership over other human beings. Mm -hmm. And in particular, we all know how this goes for black people and indigenous people uh, when you have a level of protection over wealth and property over a level of protection of people. Well, that's the foundation of Canada. Mm-hmm. That's that's literally how the plains were cleared, where you flooded the plains with European settlers. You gave them land. You said that they had ownership over what previously was not possible to be owned. Mm-hmm. And then you create the Northwest Mounted Police. And it was a foundation of enslavement across the Americas. Is uh, Part of the law protecting property uh, meant that your, the, your ownership over black people was a protected right that was, um, you know, enforced by... Patrols, the RCMP uh, in Canada and other places, uh, whatever slave catchers were called of the day, eventually police, um, you know, comes from a law, comes from laws that put the protection of property, the protection of wealth um, over other people. So happy fucking Canada Day. 
But but Sandy, didn't you read the Ottawa Citizen this week that announced that Canada never had slavery? You know, <laughs> I saw that headline and I was just like, oh, my goodness. And so I was on um, the Safe Space podcast uh, recently, and it, this is something that I raised in the Safe Space uh, podcast. That's the podcast that's done uh, by Vicky Machama and Ishmael Darrow uh, and Katie Jensen. I was kind of talking about this same thing over there where, uh, you know, it's like so hilarious that Canadians will be like, uh, no, guys, you know, it wasn't actually Canada when there was slavery. So Canada never had slavery. Ding, ding. But we'll also say Canada has a great history with respect to slavery because Underground Railroad, except you also weren't Canada <laughs> then. So you can't have it both ways, Canada. Right. You're either either a shitty enslaving country. uh, No, you just are. That's what (laughs) it is. It's just too convenient to be like, I now call myself Canada, even if, you know, technically we're still part of the Commonwealth or whatever. Like, it's just none of it makes sense. Okay. The point is. What a bunch of trash. (laughs) (laughs) All of your, all of your like ancestry in Canada, white folks and your commitment uh, to the celebration of Canada Day is linked in with slavery, with genocide, with colonialism, and there's no getting away from it, no matter how you try to fudge the dates or, you know, reinvent your relationship to the queen. I don't care. (laughs) Or lie or straight up lie, right? Like... Or fucking lie. <laughs> like we, okay, I, I have to give a shout out to one of the first black communities in Canada because I was in it last weekend, mm-hmm. which is Lucan, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Lucan, Ontario was founded not by former slaves, but by people who, well, former, former slaves, but they came to Canada as loyalists to the crown uh, in the Revolutionary Wars. Um, and of course, who were pushed out by Irish people um, not long after the, the town was formed. So there you go, Lucan, Ontario. But it's also it's also a lie. Uh, just because slavery was illegal in the Commonwealth, it didn't mean that slaves didn't exist in Canada after that date. And in fact, they were in Canada. They there was there were slave auctions. You can find the information really really easily. And I learned from one of like the like a major best selling novel from a Canadian <laughs> author is based off of this. Like <laughs> I know like, it was a mini series. Together, Ottawa citizen. Uh, they wrote they wrote to Avonlea that shit for CBC. <laughs> 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 Jesus, people. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, one of the things that I learned from a historian in Quebec City named Webster is that that judges were uh, looking the other way at the law when uh, cases about slaves were coming to them. And so they were actually permitting slavery in Canada, even though it was supposed to be illegal, and that it only actually ended when one particular judge, who I believe his name is Monk, uh, who's based in Quebec, actively refused to prosecute uh, a runaway slave or to allow the owner to go and find, I think it was a woman, find her. And this was well after it was supposedly supposedly illegal. So it's like, you know, Tristan Hopper, fucking do a little bit of fucking research. Whoever edited that piece, I don't know, you should probably lose your job considering how many fucking precious few journalism jobs there are out there. That was trash. Y'all embarrassed yourselves. Like, really bad. 
Oh my God. What a fucking embarrassment. Except for not because um, so many people in Canada don't even know that history because of how well Canada likes to hide that right. thing that it's probably not embarrassing for them. It's just like a, will they even publish a correction? Let's find out. Probably not. <laughs> the The author himself was uh, was quite uh, adamant that if you actually read the piece, you wouldn't be able to call him racist. And, um, you know, number one, a lot of people weren't saying, hey, you racist. They were saying, hey, this piece is full of fucking errors. You're a shitty journalist. <laughs> yeah, but that's how that's how white people operate. You're like, you're like, hey, white person, you made a mistake with respect to um, this historical fact. I am not a racist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's like y'all can't hear anything else. <laughs> What is up with that? Yeah, and he also didn't he didn't uh, uh, respond to the critiques around the anti or the fat phobic content in the P. Anyway, the, don't even Google it. It's it's not worth your time. Happy Canada Day to the Ottawa Citizen for publishing that. To Post Media for destroying journalism, and to Tristan Hopper for writing that piece of crap. What else are you thinking about on Canada Day, Nora? I've been thinking a lot about Elizabeth Wetlawfer, who. Mm is uh, one of these serial killers. We can add her name to the database of serial killers in Canada. And all the ways that she was able to kill people. And there was a, there's a public inquiry that has been happening all of June. It's now on recess until mid-July. And so a lot of news came out of this. I don't know if you've been following it uh, too much, but the number of failures to have uh, allowed her to exploit that situation to murder people is just it's just astounding it's like so she was working alone at night in some of these care homes there was no supervision of her there was uh the 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 company which is a for-profit private long-term care facility they didn't pursue discipline i heard this on the current this was this was a fascinating thing for for these folks to say they didn't pursue um discipline because it cost too money when the union grieved the discipline (laughs) <laughs> Wait, what? And so then it becomes a problem of, well, the union was defending her, right? You know, then the union's kind of on the back foot being like, whoa, uh, not not quite, except, you know, of course, everyone has the right to defense. And no one knew at that point that she was actually murdering people. They thought that, she, you know, she was just a bad nurse. And the thing that just is the worst that, that I find the most horrible about this is that the only reason why she was caught was because she admitted it to police and to psychiatric nurses. Mm-hmm. It's the only reason why she was caught. What does it say about how we value end-of-life care or elder care? Uh, what does it say that we expect people to go into these homes and die? Mm-hmm. What does it say that we allow for-profit, private uh, care mm-hmm. facilities to understaff, to to not manage properly, to not to check references. One of these organizations didn't even check her references when she had been fired uh, in 2006 and uh, sorry, 2016. And she went on to try and kill one more person. That person survived. It is so horrible. And it it's also one of these issues that I I also don't think it's getting enough coverage. I don't think that enough journalists are paying attention to this. CBC London and and uh, Kate Dubinsky, I think, are pretty much the most consistent folks there. There's probably someone from the Free Press as well, the London Free Press. But but by and large, it's like I know more about the steel tariffs than I do about this woman. And the folks who are making the decisions to make mm-hmm. elder care as mm-hmm. completely horrible as it is, 
Y'all are going to be in those fucking facilities very soon. (laughs) So I also should mention that my grandmother was in the facility where she killed her last victim. So I know. So it cuts a bit close to home, but you know, it's not as if, um, it's not as if Meadow Park or, or Crescent Care, these two facilities that she was in, uh, were, are any different than so many other homes mm-hmm. across Ontario or across Canada. Mm-hmm. I'm also thinking about the border a lot these days with respect to Canada and how bullshit it is that, well, obviously, you know, the borders have become such a large news issue recently because of what's happening in the United States with respect to um, the United States government uh, detaining children, separating children from their families in these massive, massive numbers. Of course, what we haven't really heard in the news here in Canada is that Canada also detains migrant children and in some cases also separates children from their families. And it's just like this, like, you know, uh, Canada's like ability to just not pay attention to any of the things that it's doing is just so like that is how oh, the it's... country continues forward. Like that is how the country exists. that should be on the fucking 10 cent piece. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it should be <laughs> like... on the 10 cent piece. Replace the schooner. Is that how you pronounce that? Schooner? No, it's a, the sc- yeah, the blue nose. Yeah. OK, whatever. Replace the boat with. A person covering their eyes and ears and mouth all at the same time. <laughs> With big fucking maple leaves, like, covering their entire face holes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no sensory perception is uh, the new Tencent. It's just, I don't, it's, like, it's, oh, gosh, it's just so frustrating. And it's becoming... You know, what what happens in the United States happens here also uh, because there's a snowball effect because we're, you know, the fact that it's like two different countries is kind of a joke. The fact that um, we share such a large border, um, you you know, like the when the government in the U.S. makes these changes, uh, the the, the types of changes that they're making with respect to uh, migrant issues, with respect to immigration, then we get a bunch of people at our border too trying mm-hmm. to cross over mm-hmm. and we also do heinous things to people attempting to cross the border no matter what Justin Trudeau uh, tries to tell you um and you know recently John Tory was I was listening to Metro Morning I think and John Tory uh was saying that and you know that's the mayor of Toronto if you're listening from elsewhere um and he was saying that uh Toronto can no longer house the refugees and that the the government of Canada needs to step in and step up uh, because at, at soon soon Toronto is going to have to close its doors uh, to refugees because we just don't have the support. And it's just like all of that to me is just crap. <laughs> like we we do across this country have the ability uh, to sustain and house people. And I know that we do. Uh, because we have the ability to sustain and house all sorts of corporations and the tax cuts mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. Like there's money. The money is there. The infrastructure is there or the ability to build new infrastructure is there and the ability to support people who are coming in is there. And beyond all of that, you know, uh, if if this floats your boat, it's international law. So <laughs> get it together. <laughs> Just get it together. 
Yeah, I've just I've just been thinking a lot about how Canada constructs itself as like the nice border compared to the U.S.'s border, and uh, it's just not true. Like so many of these laws and rules that all sorts of Western countries erect, uh, you know, they come up with them together. You know, like the the G seven is like is a real thing where they all come together and <laughs> share ideas, <laughs> then right. implement them together all over all of the lands. And so, you know, it's it's a real thing um, that many of our policies look very similar to the U.S. policies, whether it's Trump in power, Stephen Harper in power, Justin Trudeau in power, or Obama in power. I feel like what is making people so angry, and I, and I think that this speaks to the Canadian uh, sensibility. I don't know if this is waspiness or if it's just fucking in our water or something. But it seems to me that the way that it's being spun is that it is egregious because Trump is using it as a tactic. And so it's like, okay, that is obviously egregious. The idea that you would forcibly separate children and their parents as a tactic to get your way with the fucking border wall or whatever it is that he's hoping to hold over the heads of the rest of the people in his party or the Democrats. But what difference does it make if the effect is the same? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like... It's I guess like the ability for moral outrage is different. Um, The idea that he would weaponize families in that way is is really abhorrent. But if we're doing it callously, if we're doing it by accident, if we're doing it because this facility doesn't take children and this facility only takes men, let's say, what the fuck difference does that make? It makes a difference. Like I was playing soccer today. I got the ball square in my face. The guy didn't mean to do that. I still experienced pain. It's mm-hmm. doesn't it's but it's not the same thing. <laughs> like when the the callousness of the state doing things systemically and by accident or intentionally, but not in the same kind of intention as the way that Trump is doing this changes. Fuck all changes fuck all and 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 there's there are not enough liberals specifically who voted for trudeau who buy the fluffiness of the fucking liberal party speaking out about this it's like this is your your hands are not clean in this folks you supported justin trudeau this is the kind of policies that his government oversees he's not changing anything he's not insisting that that people are, you know, in holding in like apartments somewhere where they can actually live, where they can actually feel safe and comfortable with their family while they're waiting for the process to go through. Like how fucking hard would that be to build apartments or there are lots of apartments. I don't know. Outlaw Airbnb or force every Airbnb in a neighborhood to fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. The other thing about this is, OK, so like uh, Justin Trudeau you know, after much pressure, then, you know, eventually says something about the situation in the United States saying that, like, yeah, Canada, we stand up for our values and blah, 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 like some, you know, uh, effortless statement about keeping families together. And that same government uh, votes against um, offering up uh, pardons to everyone who is currently serving time or has served time on a uh, marijuana conviction. <laughs> that is also separating families 
uh, for people who, uh, had, you know, as the law has changed now, have not committed a crime. It's not a, certainly not a violent crime. You know, I'm against incarceration, so I don't think that these people should have ever been incarcerated. Prisons also separate families, and uh, the the uh, convictions that people have on their records uh, for these, um, you know, marijuana-related whatever, you know, uh, violations or uh, whatever it is, um, those things make a, a family, like, financially, like, it, it affects your ability to get certain types of jobs. Like, there's there's all sorts of things um, that are embedded in, I don't know, Justin Trudeau's, ability, like, idea of Canadian values um, uh, that, you know, the, the value of not looking, seeing, or hearing how um, your shit is similar to and smells this exact same as U.S. shit. It's like, uh, you, you think that you're the government that wants to, like, keep families together? No, you don't. You don't give a shit about that. Like, that's not at all um, <laughs> anything that you care about. And it was more accurate when uh, he didn't say anything at all. Happy fucking Canada Day, liberals. Oh, my God. Canada Day is, um, is, a, is a great time to reflect on how awesome cottage life is and jumping in lakes and um, how the colonial project is marching forward without much opposition. And speaking of cottages and lakes, <laughs> yeah. On this Canada Day, I was reminded, or this Canada Day today, <laughs> I was reminded by my uh, uh, on Twitter by Philip writer Philip Dwight Morgan that <laughs> uh, Doug Ford sworn in on the day that we are. Uh, recording this yes once said once said that he was the biggest supporter of black people in this province because he brought children up to his cottage so they could experience the lake <laughs> no yep happy canada day conservatives <laughs> I mean, should we talk about Doug Ford? Because I know that there's there's two other issues that we had kind of thrown around talking about, Doug Ford being one of them and the other one being the war on cyclists and pedestrians in the city of Toronto. Um, well, I think we need a whole separate episode for Doug Ford, but suffice it to say that I, you know, that fucking cabinet that's been announced looking hmm. so quiet. So quiet. It's a snowstorm in June. Snowstorm in June <laughs> with your token Asian guy making it exactly the same as the party scene in Get Out. Love it. <laughs> Don't be a person of color in the sunken place in the next four years. Do not support that shit. Happy Canada Day. <laughs> it's the first government for the people of all time. In Ontario. The first government for the... I can't even. I can't. I have nothing. Nope. Won't do it. <laughs> for the white people. Yeah, I think the, the every day there's new information that's coming out of Ford's office that is just like, oh my God, things are going to get worse. The big news this morning is that the hiring freeze is going to affect uh, the liberal plan to hire new work site inspection inspectors to help make sure that the labor code is, you know, being enforced and being uh, respected. And, it, you know, 
I get the I get daily notices about workplace injuries to my email. And so this is something that I pay a lot of attention to. And, you know, a lot of the policies that we've already spoken about on this show directly lead to killing people, to people dying. Uh, this is also where you will for sure see people injured and, and, and killed. The opioid crisis is fueled in no small part by workplace injury. And if Doug Ford is like going to cut back, not if he's going to roll back some of the changes to Bill 148, which was like the only thing the liberals did that was really great. People are going to die. People are going to get hurt. The opioid crisis is going to continue and it's going to be horrible to watch. So I think that's a pretty good roundup of why there's nothing to celebrate. (laughs) Happy Canada Day. No, you know what? I celebrate stat holidays and enough getting those those workplace piece of legislation in and enough to make sure that either you get the holiday off or you're being paid time and a half. I hope that's the case. If you're listening on Canada Day to this podcast, do do what makes you feel happy today and take a little bit of time to read up on any of the issues that we mentioned. If you haven't heard about it at all, talk to your friends, talk to your family, use your social media feeds to talk about how all these things are connected, how all these things are hurting people, they're causing real harm, and how we can get involved to try and make things better. Yeah, do better. Let's make that the theme of this stat <laughs> holiday weekend. Do better, be better. Do that's gonna be that's our that's our new toonie. Do better, be better. <laughs> We're just making new coins out here. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Mint, hire us. <laughs> <laughs> uh.